Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up ahead of the Ireland Championships this weekend, we'll hear how the sport of paddle has taken root in Guernsey. We'll also look ahead to a busy bank holiday weekend of local action, including cricket and athletics. Uh, But we'll start, as ever, with our moments of the last seven days. I'm Tony Kerr and here with me is Jamie Ingrill. Hi, Tony. And Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. Uh, Gareth, let's come to you first. Your pick of the week. Um, two words, Danny Blondel. Um, I have eulogised about him on here before, but um, his performance in winning the, the Ireland Golf Championship for a fourth time last weekend in the, in the very strong wind that buffeted Langcrest throughout the whole tournament was just outstanding. He showed his, his real class. And um, even if he hadn't have won, just the fact that someone has reached five Ireland Championship finals in a row in, in men's golf is just a phenomenal achievement. I mean, in each one of those finals, he's played a different player. So it sort of shows the depth we've got over here. Um, but Danny is just consistently showing himself to be the best on the island and he's deservedly crowned champion this year. Um, as I found, as I realised um, after writing my report, unfortunately, he's got the same um, form over the last five years as Red Rum did in the Grand <laughs> National. He's gone win, win, second, second win. So um, that, that is just an amazing achievement. And uh, I must admit, I did feel very sorry for Mick Marley on Sunday morning because Mick played absolutely brilliantly and he lost three and two to Danny. And he didn't deserve that, but <laughs> that's the way it went. And he'll go on to represent Guernsey in the CI champs. What's his record at like a, you know, in that contest over those years? Um, I think out of the three he's played, he, every time he's played at Langcrest in the CI final, he's won. Um, uh, I believe he certainly won um, in 2010 when he played there. And yes, he, he beat Sam Voce last time here. So um, it's, it's quite a typical thing in the CI final. Obviously, the home player is going to be favourite. Um, Jersey don't ho- hold their actual Ireland championships until the end of next month, I believe. Uh, and the CI final is on the 25th of July. So uh, Danny would probably go into that as favourite because it's over his home course. So um, he'll certainly, knowing him, he'll be very well prepared for that. He'll be out on the range for probably the month beforehand, making sure his, his game's in tip-top order. Yeah, we've had a tough few weeks of conditions, certainly for golf, uh, and that kind of went up a notch even further for the, the first couple of rounds of the, uh, the women's well, yeah, championship. Well, the, the ladies, the prelims on Monday were played in about a 4-7. They managed to get through those, and well done to them for that. And then I was out um, under my brolly in layer after layer of waterproof clothing on Tuesday evening watching the ladies battle the conditions. And to be fair, they did really well to get as far as they did. But I mean, the, the GGU ended up suspending play because it really got ridiculous to be out there, to be fair. And they will finish off the quarterfinals um, just ahead of the semifinals, which are due to place, take place uh, Friday evening. Well, it looks much better overhead today. So that's uh, good news. Uh, Jamie, what stood out for you this week? Personally, it's been the Games Day, as they call it, the culmination of this year's Specsavers Youth Games. Around 700 young school children on the track at Foot Slane, each having taken up a new sport. Um, there's the realistic possibility that they may stick to that sport for life and become stars of the sport. Um, there have been 20 sports on offer this year, um, unprecedented number, including climbing and lacrosse, adding a bit of variety. But yeah, um, hard work for everyone involved. Six weeks of hard training for the kids. Volunteers have put in many hours to support them. Uh, Sports Commission enabling all this. And yeah, amazing atmosphere at Fitz Lane at Games Day. Lovely parade with all the children. Ultimately, there are, all, there are a lot of people cheering West is best. And <laughs> yeah, that's still ringing out in my ears. I think. <laughs> Thankfully, they had nothing to be ashamed about because they were the winning uh, district, as they call it in the end, out of 
the six that competed. But yeah, everyone applied themselves and it made it worthwhile for everyone spectating. Yeah, I was down there at Foots Lane for the closing ceremony. It really was uh, yeah, fantastic. They got very lucky with the weather and it was an absolute riot of colour down there with, um, with all the districts. Um, yeah, parading in and uh, yeah, being very, very raucous. If you sort of, if you want a, an angry mob, I know where to, to to go. I think they were they were fantastic. The energy there. Um, actually, we, we caught up with Jenny Murphy from the Sports Commission uh, at that closing ceremony and um, and just asked her how the youth games had gone this year and and you know what she was hoping the kids would get out of it. Obviously, leading up to today, they've all had six weeks of training in their sport. They've come to their sports completing the beginners, um, um, all come together competing for their district and today is that big competition day but yeah fantastic um, feedback a lot of them have had a really good time and actually what's really pleasing for me and for our sponsor Specsavers is that uh, a lot of these children have said that they're going to take up that sport and sign up kind of longer term. It's an opportunity to try something maybe they've never tried before and even if I'd say you get a handful anything between five and ten at least from each sport that then takes up long term straight away but what we kind of discussed with some of my colleagues is actually some of those maybe they might might not take it up straight away but five years down the line or when they get in their 20s I think actually I tried that sport I really enjoyed it that's something I'm going to go back to so it's 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 kind of immediate but also that kind of awareness building long term. Jenny Murphy from the Sports Commission there. Yeah, fantastic event. Uh, of course, it is every two years, and this was the, the ninth edition. The next one will, I guess, be held just before the Island Games, so that's um, quite exciting, and hopefully, yeah, I imagine they'll be trying to weave in um, weave in the kind of uh, Island Games flavour into to what they do and get the kids excited for that, so um, plenty to look forward to for them. Uh, great stuff, guys. Let's uh, leave our picks for the week for now. Coming up next, we'll be talking the Paddle Takeover. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, do give us a rating or a review if you can, or give it the big build-up to your friends and family. It all helps to spread the word. Uh, Now, it's still a young sport in the island, but paddle, which is something of a cross between tennis and squash, has taken root faster than knotweed. So much so, just a few years after opening the first three courts at Long Camp, there are plans to open two more, which would make that club the joint largest in the British Isles. Well, this week, the Guernsey Paddle Club holds its island champs for the second time and a short time ago I caught up with last year's mixed winners uh, bidding to retain their crown this weekend Pat Ogier and Sarah Willand uh, to find out what the sport's all about why it's taken hold so quickly and how they're feeling ahead of these island championships well great to have you guys on the pod uh, welcome uh, Sarah first of all just give us a, an overview of, um, of how big paddle is in Guernsey now sort of three years in and, and what this weekend's going to look like. Yeah it's really growing sort of exponentially it's extraordinary we've got three courts down at the paddle club uh, two indoors and one outdoors and we're actually operating at about uh, 95% capacity evenings and weekends now so uh, new people turning up you know, weekly, giving it a try, loving it. So um, sport's really growing. We're sort of bursting at the seams. And so we've got the Island Championships sponsored by Rock Capital this weekend with 132 entries. And um, yeah, looking forward to a good good time. And it's the second year of the Island Championships. Uh, yeah, obviously you sort of felt you, your way in last year as a club to this kind of, uh, you know, sort of competitive format. But it, yeah, has the, do you get a sense that the competition levels will have ramped up even more this time? Yeah, I think last year they sort of, started to agree to put it on because we were all in lockdown everyone was on the island and it was a good idea to thought everyone had played enough to try and do something competitive um few people were quite scared to enter including me and uh but we all got through it but this year yeah everyone's improved there's a lot more entries a lot more chat um in the bar about it so i think it'll be good fun yeah and just um it gives a sense of of why you think it's kind of captured the imagination particularly i suppose for, for a lot of tennis players but but kind of wider 
you know, the wider audience as well? I think it's just, it's fun and it's social um, and it's, it's easy, you know, or not easy, easier than other racket sports. And you know, I spent probably 30 years trying and failing quite spectacularly to play tennis um, and paddle. Certainly not uh, an expert, but I can actually have some rallies and have some really good fun. Um, and I don't think you ever really go on a paddle court and have a bad hour. You always have a good time and a giggle and it's just social and fun, yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, Pat, you're a tennis player, as, as a lot of the local paddle players are too. Um, what's the attraction for you? Well, I, I started playing paddle after um, getting quite a bad injury. And then it was the, one of the attractions, I think, for um, some of the people who play is that uh, for example, if like some of the older members, um, it's a bit less punishing in terms of you know you're never playing on concrete. Um, even in the last couple of weeks, we've been playing more tennis, and it's just so much more punishing on your knees and your hips, everything playing on on hard courts and paddle because it's like a smaller area. It's really nice to see people, even people who maybe used to play a lot more tennis, but they're playing like really a lot of paddle, and it's just that surface being that bit. Um, kind of more giving and then I think also it's um, as you've just said it's kind of it's a much much easier sport to sort of pick up and and for it to be enjoyable straight away I think tennis is not very user-friendly in a way at all early on and it becomes more and more enjoyable whereas um, paddle you you find it's quite remarkable actually how you could find um, even if there's a bit of difference between like the standards of the four players on court, you'll get some really, really good rallies. And uh, it's partly to do also with the fact that the, the serve isn't nearly as big, serve and return, so n- not nearly as big a thing. So you get, you get some rallies where it's a sort of sport where actually, even playing yesterday evening, you get some rallies where you start laughing during the point because it just goes on and on and on. And you're kind of like stretching this way, hitting it off the side walls, you know, kind of... Um, you can't quite believe it's sort of still going. Yeah, that's definitely true. We used to laugh when I played tennis. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> slightly different reason. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about paddle sort of before it came to Guernsey. I know you were sort of aware of it. Um, very popular in Spain and, and a, a few other countries. But are you, have you been surprised by how quickly it's established itself and here and, and how quickly the, the club has kind of taken root? I think uh, it's been brilliant in Guernsey. It's really interesting, actually. When... Um, when the courts were first put in, I think right at the start, people were initially hesitant and thought, oh, it's a bit bold. They've just built these courts, kind of, are people actually going to enjoy it? And I think, I mean, looking back, you could probably look through the court usage and stuff. It didn't really take off straight away. There were a few months where, I think after a few months, it was like one member. And then, but not that long after that, there might have been 50, 60. And then it's just, um, like, once people... Like people just giving it a go. I, I know, I know several people, quite a few people, who've played once and bought their own bat like straight away because I was like, oh, I absolutely love this. Um, but it's funny, like a few, quite a few years ago, I was playing tennis in England, and there was a really, um, uh, really nice, really old guy at the, at the club, and he um, he was absolutely obsessive about paddle. And at that point, like no one really knew it that much. He had been in Spain and stuff. He was like, oh, you go, like, Paddle's going to be huge or something. Like, I wish I'd listened to him. <laughs> I probably would have invested in the... Because it's, as, as they say, I think, you know, these sorts of things get checked around, the, these lines, but I think it is the fastest growing sport in the world. Um, it's bigger than tennis in Spain, and Spain is probably, with France, the strongest tennis nation. Um, 
And you can see why, just because it's also that fact it's always doubles, it's always, it's in that small space. There's a lot of like chat and kind of the social element. And <clears throat> it's quite continuous. Like you're not, you know, tennis, if you're not getting a rally going and you're kind of going to pick up the balls and it's kind of, you could play an hour and a half and if it's not, if it's not with doubles in tennis and if it's not sort of gelling, you don't feel like you've had that much of a game. Whereas I think um, with paddle, it's sort of, as, as Sarah just said, you, you almost always have a good, a good session. Yeah, I suppose by the sort of nature of a tennis court, you, you are far, further away, aren't you? At paddle, um, yeah, being so close together, I suppose it does yeah, help to generate that kind of interaction. There's a, there's a bit more of a... Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more chat flying around. And definitely, yeah. and also, you know, like Pat said, you do end up laughing because sometimes the ball's in a corner bouncing off three or four things and you're spinning around and missing, or and sometimes you hit it. And then you do, it just, you can yeah. hit a great shot by complete fluke. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the rally keeps going and, and a miss hit can still work quite well. And so, wow. even yeah, thank goodness <laughs> for that. Um, so, yeah, you end up. Often, just the rallies become so long that everyone's actually laughing by the end of them and sort of lying on the floor at the end, just oh, giggling. It's also really easy to hit your opponent in paddle. <laughs> oh, I, I, find it, that, I find it easy. Pat so, likes that. So it's a mixture of constant sort of apologising. You don't really mean it at all. But um, from my sort of limited amount of paddle experience as well, uh, the way the ball can ricochet off, particularly in the corners, has a habit of making you look like an idiot. Like it looks like you're sort of swatting a wasp. Yeah. But it makes everybody look like yeah. an idiot. So then the fact that you are an idiot is less embarrassing you know that's what I think you know like you you feel oh no I'm hopeless and then you watch the other person do exactly the same thing two points later unless you're playing with Pat who never makes a mistake look at his face I've never made Blushing. a mistake um, but yeah so I think it's a sort of an equaliser because everyone makes mistakes and everyone hits good shots there's a bit more sledging as well I'd say which is quite good fun it's a bit more sort of uh, chat between them <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite fun so you're sledging you're trying to hit, yeah, you're trying to hit your opponents yeah. It's a friendly game, just uh, I really recommend coming to try. <laughs> and I know there are plans to expand the club uh, with two new courts. With that expansion, one tennis court will be lost. Is the popularity of paddle and the increasing popularity of paddle potentially at the detriment of tennis? Um, I really don't think so, actually. It's really interesting. We did a whole load of analysis on the court usage, both for tennis and paddle at the club. And um, a lot of people are of the belief that people just switch over to play paddle. But if you actually look at the tennis numbers over the, over the last four years since we've had the paddle courts, they've actually remained incredibly steady and in some months even increased. Um, so it's more that there are more people at the club. Um, there are more people playing. There's more of a buzz. You know, people being out, being active is great. Um, there are seven tennis courts. Um, yes, we are. Um, the planning application does include taking one of those out. Actually, if you look at the numbers, um, there'll still be plenty of room for everyone who wants to play tennis to play tennis. And hopefully both, both sports will continue to grow together. And I know you've got a really interesting background in tennis promotion and events. Um, do, do you see paddle as uh, something that could really, really take off you know, beyond what we're already seeing? I think it's really interesting. Like I've worked with a lot of um, professional tennis players uh, through my career and, and they all play paddle and they were all saying to me, oh, you've got to try paddle. And I was like, ah, nah, I don't think I like it. And then I'm like, oh, you were right. I should have listened to you. So I'm not sure that it's um, as good as a spectator sport as tennis. I don't know. I don't know what you think, Pat. But I think to play it for the average human like me is is more fun than tennis i think there'll always be a place for tennis um i think watching tennis is fantastic you watching really good paddle is good you know they're really amazing shots but it's an interesting thought as well that like you something like this comes along and you think 
some people might think, oh, it's like a gimmick or it's like a kind of won't take off, whatever. But then you think, you know, historically, then there would have been a time when lawn tennis, when there was real tennis before and everything. But you know what I mean? It's like this new form comes along and it's like, oh, it's good, but it's not the sort of traditional. But then that becomes the absolute biggest thing. I'm not saying that that would happen with paddle sort of taking over from tennis, but I, I can't see how it won't just keep growing and growing. And it is quite amazing. I think, I think Britain, what's really nice is that Guernsey definitely punching above our weight in terms of paddle now, because as, as I understand it, it's now, well, when, when there are two more courts, the joint largest paddle center in the UK or in, in the British Isles. And like, that's quite amazing in a way. Um, and yet, I do think it's that bit, that thing like we're sort of ahead of the game and Britain's a bit behind it because you hear about in France and Spain, there are just like hundreds of courts um, and being built all the time, new centres. Um. Do you also think, I wonder if people, because it's a slightly easier game, it might become the entry game for younger people to play paddle and then when you realise actually you're, you've got pretty good hand-eye skills and things that then you can actually progress to tennis because actually the paddle court, they use the paddle courts down at the tennis centre for some of the summer camps and stuff for the young kids because it's a smaller contained area, you know, and it's easier. Even if they play with tennis rackets on the paddle court, you know, it's a, it's a great starter. So I think they can, you know, they can exist together really, really well. And I suppose perhaps from both ends, you know, the quote-unquote ageing population, from what you've said about how um, how accessible it is and, and kind of, yeah, how much sort of smoother it is on the body for, for older people, then actually, uh, uh, you know, sitting alongside golf and things, and it, there's probably a big market there. Yeah, well, you, you play tennis, and then when you can't play tennis anymore, you play paddle, <laughs> and then you can't play paddle anymore, you play golf. Yeah. <laughs> and then tiddlywinks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just sit around. <laughs> What about um, the way it might evolve, you know, competitively in the island? I know, obviously, Jersey um, uh, have got big plans as well on the paddle front to, to build new courts as well. Do you think we could see a really competitive kind of inter-island competition and, and maybe down the line, island games? Definitely. I think, I think um, we're aiming for July for an inter-insular and um, Scott Clayton, a very good friend of mine, friend, friend of us both, that... that um, He's really involved in paddle now, and uh, he's a very successful tennis player and has played Wimbledon several times in, in doubles for tennis and things. But he absolutely loves paddle, and he sees it as well as being just how fun it is from the offset and from, from the start uh, for someone playing it, and just thinks it'll, it'll keep growing. So he's sort of uh, got really involved in it. And he, so he'll, um, I know he's been talking with Omar. Um, Ripollas, who's the who's the like um, he's running the tournament. I think isn't they're going to bring. I think it's going to be quite big. The Intensular. I think they're talking about bringing over 10, 10 men's players, uh, six ladies players, um, have a men's vets six as well, and some mixed. So you know that's quite a lot of people to come over here yeah. for a big weekend of uh, inter island paddle. It's a, it's a sort of slight uh, digression in a way, but Scott said to me because I was asking him about whether he thought um, there'd be tennis players who, for example, are like extremely good doubles players um, or for some reason I thought of like the British player Marcus Willis who's like very good kind of hands and stuff like that. You think, would they like to then play paddle or try and play pro paddle? And I think the thing is, is that like it is very, I think it is very transferable in that way and you could do that. But it's just that fact that so many of those people, they've spent like the last 15 years of their life, like constant travel and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's it probably won't be as much the case that 
that former tennis players like kind of play it as fully. Think but, a bit uh, fun, but yeah, yeah, I think a bit more so. I think, and it's not as commercial at the moment, is it? The paddle tour is not as commercial as the tennis yeah. court. I think if, so. it, if they just did it for, for fun and travel, it'd be, be brilliant. Because also, something which is kind of interesting, I think, is that some of the top paddle players in the world are, are a bit older, aren't they? Yeah. I think the average age would definitely be older than, than, uh, for, than for tennis. So it is something, again, that... that um, I mean, I know like Jamie Murray goes off to play paddle tournaments out in the Far East and stuff on the off season and stuff just because he really enjoys it. So, you know, I'm sure they'll all keep playing. Take us inside the, the paddle locker room then this weekend. Who are you <laughs> Who are you watching out for? Quite a lot of beef. As we alluded to before the interview, somewhat caused by our behaviour, not not Sarah's. No, my behaviour. I'm I'm yeah. very aware that I'm um, lucky to be standing on the same court with Pat, and even more lucky to be on the same side of the net with him than uh, opposite him. But you, are, you guys are reigning champions, inaugural champions. Uh, yeah, no one can though. take that away. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever happens, this. <laughs> Um, yeah, who, who are the who are the pairs to look out for? And actually, you know, on the, the men's and women's side as well. Well, a really nice example of this thing of um, uh, people now playing it is that like um, Ian and Yo Robinson, who are Guernsey tennis legends, are now this year. They didn't last year because Yo wasn't really playing paddle then, but they're playing together in the mixed. Worryingly, and they'll be very very yeah. good. Um, yeah, Yo's. Uh, extremely well they're both extremely good players i'm playing and, with her uh, in the vets which is also good news yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm good at partner picking <laughs> and um and then and then sarah's husband dom and uh playing with uh, dom Willen playing with lauren barker we had a really good match in the final last year um but there's there's quite there's quite a few um, there's lots of people that the, the, we got a buy last year there's no buys that's how many more people have come in we've got to play an extra match so yeah, it's, it's just good that everyone's willing to give it a go. I think everyone was a bit nervous last year because they thought, oh, Island Championship sounds a bit scary. But actually, um, they came down and they saw that we were all, you know, laughing and having fun. It was all played in good spirits. And, um, you know, Pat only really hit it at people in crisis moments, didn't you? <laughs> Not, Not really all the time. <laughs> uh, and, then in the, and then for the men's, I'm playing this year with Nico Robinson, um, who have played together in the... Island games with for, for tennis last year I played with Lance Plunkett but he's and we had a great time and did well and um, <laughs> not as well as we uh, <laughs> not as well as we said we would yeah just, just talk us through that <laughs> oh well, so um, <laughs> so yeah the tournament started on a Thursday and uh, sorry on a Saturday uh, and then on the Thursday we wrote a winner's speech for the tournament and uh, and uh, put it up with blue tack on the front door of the center um i think the first line was um it is of course a huge surprise that we're standing here as your champions <laughs> brackets wait for applause and then and then i think it, ironically i think this is what fueled our opponents on to beat us in the final so we didn't we didn't win the tournament at all um anyway, i think it's uh, called karma that <laughs> yeah. so lance is uh, lance is uh, unfortunately injured but i'm playing with nico and um which is good fun I, we don't really play it particularly like paddle. I think if there were some like paddle experts watching, they'd be cringing because we just sort of um, try and dominate the net and kind of hit it as hard as we can and stuff. I think that's what's interesting, isn't it? That it is actually a really different game because when we had the British paddle tour event here, we had some actual real sort of paddle players come over and they were our best tennis players who would 
win all the paddle here easily were just in the final the people who knew how to use the walls you know so there's a lot more I think it's easy to play the sport to a certain level but there's actually a lot more depth to it when you get to learning really what to do and And I think everyone's a lot is a lot better since then but it's because so like uh Don McCluskey was playing that and Nico and me and and at that point it was just like if you just smash it like really really hard like people weren't used to going off the walls and stuff so against other players here it was fine but these guys it was a really good sort of like lesson because it just wasn't effective really at all they knew exactly when to move forward so the smash unless you get it right in paddle is not a particularly uh, effective shot although nico's like six foot six and he makes it with, <laughs> with new balls it uh, just finally you mentioned island games um two years out from the guernsey games on the tennis side of things is that on your radar yeah definitely yeah i definitely want to uh play it and have started playing again um uh, it was quite strange after because I, I it's by far the longest i've ever gone without picking up a racket i think it was probably close to 18 months or something um and then there's some quite funny elements as well because we played like tennis doubles and just putting up so many lobs because it's quite effective in paddle but it kind of uh, you know, adjusting back to that but i'm really really enjoying it and i think it will be a great um a great event as well and I know like um yeah Lauren Barker and Nico and, and a whole a whole bunch of them will still be really keen to uh and it's to be involved in that yeah I mean that'll be that'll be different because some of the, you know some of the fun of the island games is like being in a new place and the travel and stuff but like it'll just be a different thing but it'll be a great it should be a great atmosphere in in Guernsey and try and show all the other nations a good uh, time yeah, plenty to look forward to. Well, best of luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks very any, much. Any winner's speech is written yet? No, we're not no, doing No, we're working anything. on it. No, we're not doing anything like that. <laughs> yeah, we learned the lesson from last year. We did it. You did. I, I learned the lesson from last year, which is basically, I think you just need a better speech. <laughs> <laughs> More convincing. Well, thanks for coming in. Best of luck. No problem. Thanks for having us. Sarah Woolland and Pat Ogier there. Paddle certainly creating a bit of buzz uh, down at Long Camp. Let's uh, have a look now at what else is worth keeping an eye on uh, this weekend. Gareth, let's talk cricket first. We've got an MCC sort of tour of sorts getting underway tomorrow. Yes, for the second year running, Tony, obviously because of the travel restrictions, um, we can't have visiting cricketers come in, but the MCC have now got a pretty strong membership over here and um, they're able to put together a, a locally based MCC side, with um, which includes some very talented players, um, sort of four of the current Ireland squad are part of it. And uh, as keeping with tradition, they'll be taking on Elizabeth College on Friday and then uh, uh, an Ireland sort of select side um, on Saturday, both games at the college field. And actually both games, going back to tradition, I think uh, people will be wearing whites and actually using a red ball. So it's a bit of a change from the pyjama cricket that we see these days. Yeah, fantastic. And how, how seriously are they taking it? I know Lee Savident, who um, is now involved in the, the Ireland men's setup, uh, obviously the, the Channel Islands' first professional cricketer, you know, going back a few years now. Um, yeah, he, he's sort of put the side together. Is this a real kind of first opportunity for, yeah, for potentially players to sort of stake a claim in a, in a match environment? It is, yeah. They, um, nowadays, the, there's a, sort of like a main island squad, but they've also got what they call the pathway group, which is sort of giving players a taste of being part of that environment, representative cricket. Um, the team that uh, Lee's put together will be captained by Matt Stokes, who's obviously a very established Guernsey player. But there's some new faces amongst them. There's some uh, three of the irregulars guys who are going to be turning out. And they've sort of impressed an evening league. 
Um, and this has just given them a chance to show what they can do against, it's obviously going to be good opposition. I mean, the, the MCC guys, their, their records for the club are kept um, pretty well, so they have to keep performing. Um, so the likes of Will Peatfield and Zach Dameron, what have you, they'll be going out to try and make their mark against their home island. So it should, it should be some decent cricket on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Jamie, big weekend uh, for athletics, home and abroad. Uh, the Chalmers brothers, both in action for Great Britain. Um, just tell us what they're doing and what their prospects are. So they're competing at the European Team Championships, uh, Super League. So basically, for those unfamiliar, it's, it's a series which pits countries from Europe against each other. Uh, the Super League is the highest tier out of, I believe, four different tiers. But yeah, obviously it's a great credit to the likes of Cam and Ala that they're both selected to represent Great Britain. Um, they only send one person per individual event. So obviously for Ala in particular, that being his first senior GB call-up, it's an incredible opportunity. And as they go in their respective events, uh, Cam over 400 and Ala over 400 hurdles. Yeah, hopefully they can do themselves, Guernsey and Great Britain credit. And we saw them, uh, both of them in action um, at Loughborough last weekend in a Guernsey vest as well. Um, a good a good sort of race result for Cam winning his event and, uh, and also the guys going for that 4 by 4 um, time for Commonwealth Games qualifying. They didn't quite make it, though. Yeah, it was a near miss, but it was still a very creditable performance. Um, so we had Peter Curtis, Sam Woolbridge, Cam and Alla all competing. They missed out by just over a second on their Guernsey record. Again, it's a record which is 12 years old. It's not going to be easy to beat. It was a windy day, from what I've heard, and they still ran the second quickest time ever recorded by a Guernsey quartet. So, a very creditable performance. And kudos to Cam for winning his individual 400 as well. Yeah, do you think they'll get another shot at that, that Commonwealth qualifying time? If an opportunity arises, I'm sure they'll be very, very keen to go for it. But obviously, um, the Chalmers brothers have big things on their agenda this year, targeting the Olympics. Um, it's not often that we actually get a Guernsey team to be able to compete at and meet the standard of the Loughborough International, where we've actually got teams to push us all the way. So we'll have to see on that one. Well, we'll be keeping a close eye on how the Chalmers brothers get on in Poland this weekend. Uh, back on island soil, Jamie, there's, uh, there's a pretty big track and field festival on Sunday. Yes, yeah, so this will be the longest track and field meet of the season. It will be uh, running from 10am approximately till mid-afternoon, starting with the uh, quad kids, just a junior quadrathlon, trying out a few different events and building it up to a quite diverse day of track and field for numerous junior and senior athletes um in action we'll have some of our domestic stars of recent months including abby galpin who was actually now that you mentioned the youth games she came into the sport from the youth games quite a few years ago now at the most recent domestic meet she equaled her guernsey 200 meter record um she's trying to target a 100 meter time for the england on 23 championships next month so that will be her target this time around We'll see how she goes. Gareth, final weekend of Prio League action this weekend. We've still got some cup competitions to come, but yeah, potentially some, yeah, some decisive uh, final game. Well, certainly one decisive final game. Yeah, there's, um, um, Sylvans are hosting Rovers at uh, St Peter's on Saturday afternoon, and uh, Sylvans need a, a minimum of a point to jump above Bells into third place and earn the final WeWay Cup spot for next season. Um, speaking to the coaches, Martin Degaro would obviously love to get third place. Um, he, he's very, very pleased with how their season has gone. Um, it's probably exceeded most people's expectations. 
Um, but if they were to finish top three, it would just give them that extra reward. Um, Rovers, although they're second place and they can't move in the league, they have got the Jeremy Cup final to look forward to a week later. So Kevin Galiz is telling his players that they are playing for places in the Jeremy and Rovers have never won the Jeremy before. So there's a lot to play for for both sides on Saturday. So it's certainly not a dead rubber. The other game will see Saints um, go to Rangers and... That one doesn't make any impact on the league now, but so most eyes will be on St. Peter's. Right, well, that's just about uh, it from us this week. Uh, just finally, we wanted to mention um, one of Guernsey's greatest squash players, um, not just squash players, probably sports people overall, John Lelieva, uh, who sadly died this week. Uh, Gareth, you know, obviously John was a, yeah, a member of the, the Sporting Hall of Fame in, in Guernsey. Um, yeah, one of the island's greats. He was, yeah. I mean, obviously, John sort of made his name in squash and in which he re- reached great heights. Um, he, he's obviously going to be a, a sad loss to, to everyone, but he, he made his mark in golf, cricket as well. He, he was a, just an all round excellent sportsman and, and just a, a really nice guy as well. And we'll be paying a full tribute to John Lever on next week's podcast when Rob uh, Batiste is back with us. Of course, our thoughts with all of John's family and friends. As ever, you'll find the best local sports coverage across the bank holiday weekend in the pages of the Guernsey Press, so do pick up a paper and follow us on social media too, at GSY Press Sport on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We'll be back with a football pod on Monday uh, when we'll be joined by Leon Meekin and Dom Home from Priori Title Winners Saints, uh, so keep an ear out for that. Uh, but that's it from us for now. Have a great weekend. Uh, thanks, Gareth. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers, Thank you. Sam.